Hi, this is Chad Hughes, and you're listening to Elevated Access, the inside story. This episode, I met with Paul Scannell of GeneX Solar. Paul is an expert in title and has been refining this craft for the better part of 15 years. Paul describes what we mean when we use the term title in the context of access, and he shares some great insights on the successful approaches that he has used in his career. He touches on the consequences of not getting it right the first time, leaving clues for how to prioritize this aspect of any kind of project development. He connects the dots on how a mineral or subsurface title can affect the development that requires only surface access, and he provides guidance on when to engage in understanding those subsurface interests. This is an episode about managing risk, and you won't want to miss it. So tune in now and hear what Paul has to say. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So today, Paul and I are going to talk about title, and we're going to talk about the implications of not getting it right. And I think we'll also talk a little bit today about how Paul's oil and gas background has um, really helped him in the role that he's in today. So Paul, I won't give away too much here. I'm going to turn it over to you to just start with giving our listeners uh, kind of a a sense of your background and, and how you got into the role you're in today. Thank you, Chad. I really appreciate it. Yeah, well, I, I started in school, actually, in college. Um, I was uh, I had a degree in history, and once I finished uh, my, my history degree, uh, I needed something to do, and I wasn't too keen on being a football coach or teaching school. So uh, I, I got in with a, a group of fellows that were doing oil and gas research, and I started doing title work. Um, I used what I what I learned in college on how to research. Uh, and, and I kind of parlayed that into a career where I could uh, do research and figure out the, the ins and outs of who owns certain property and what our rights would be if we were to obtain, uh, obtain the rights from those folks. Awesome. So did you have sort of an, an innate interest or ability going into that role that really kind of, helped you in, in, in the work doing title, that research mindset? So I've always been more of a scientist than an artist, right? So uh, I'm not so good with the abstract, but I'm really good with, with, with the concrete. So the wonderful thing about title research, in my opinion, is the answer is there. It's in this building. It's in these books and on one of these pages. You just got to find it. So if I know that the answer is there and it's within a certain area, it's just up to me to find it. I can do that all day long. Now, if you want me to create uh, a, a masterpiece from, from scratch, that's that's a little difficult. But if you tell me you've got the tools you need, just get the job done, uh, my brain works really well like that. You started out in oil and gas and you ended up in, in the renewable sector, uh, the company you're with today, GeneX Solar. Tell us a little bit about how you made the jump from oil and gas into the renewable space. It was an interesting jump um, and something that I didn't really anticipate happening. I had done oil and gas work for many years and I'd been very comfortable doing it and I liked it. But I got connected with uh, uh, just an individual who had also done 
oil and or had also done renewable work and said, you have a real knack for title, explaining title and understanding how title works. And I think that you would be a good fit for some of these newer developers that are developing solar and wind projects in the state of Texas that don't know a whole lot about minerals. Uh, you have that knowledge and skill set to where you can be pretty successful in this industry if that's something that you would want to do. I had been working in oil and gas for a long time, and I I was looking for a, a little bit of a change. Um, it's a great industry, but it's a it's an ebb and flow industry. When it's good, it's good, and when it's bad, it's very bad. And there were some times where I you know I was unemployed for a couple of weeks to a month at a time, and uh, didn't really like that so much. So I jumped over to solar, and I found that the work was. Uh, a bit more stable, especially for the, the niche that I had mm. created for myself. Let's um, just describe for our listeners a little bit more about when we talk about title. I'm assuming most of our listeners will know what we're talking about, but just kind of tee it up for us a little bit. When we say title, what do we mean? What sure. is it representing? Okay, I can give you the, uh, the textbook definition and then I can uh, explain it to you in English. So the textbook definition of title is is basically an evidence chain of ownership of a piece of property. If we're talking about real property, uh, you obviously have, and and that's what we're talking about here. So title is an evidenced history of the ownership of a piece of property, and that goes from patent, which would be the first owner of the property, from either the 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 government or uh, whether that's the federal government or the state government. But the, the first deed given from an, it, the, the government to a private owner is called a patent. So you would, go from, you would go from patent and run forward from there. Tell us a little bit about how, I want to get into some of the nuances of, of title. I understand that from state to state, there's different, complexities uh, throughout the United States and the difference between how we deal with title in Canada and the United States is very, very different. So we can talk primarily about the United States for this conversation. So I'm, I'm interested to hear a little bit more about the complexity around title and whether it be from state to state and how things are different or, um, or just in general, the complexity around really establishing who, who really owns the, uh, the property? Okay. Yeah, that, those are great questions. And the complexity of title, it, it, it can vary and it all depends on how your information is kept, right? So if you have a majority of the, the title information is kept at the county level. Now, at the, the, the rules are generally dictated by the state. So the mineral law in Texas is different than the mineral law in Louisiana. But the way the records are kept in Texas is all the same throughout the county, pretty much. So the, the, the state regulates certain things, but also the county does. So the, the, with the county, what you're going to get is this is how your deeds need to look. You know, there needs to be one inch margins. We need originals on blue ink, that kind of thing. You know, you got to make sure you form out, fill out form 1A and 3C and all that. But the, the, the state is where a lot of your rules 
that dictate minerals um, as well as who can run your title. Um, in certain states, the United States, anybody can run title as long as, you know, an attorney takes a look at it and signs off on it to get your title commitment. In other states like uh, Kentucky, you have to have an attorney that runs the title. So you need to know who can do the jobs that you want them to do and, and where they can do those jobs. And the easiest way to do that is to just do some very basic research. You, you had asked about some complexities in title. And uh, one thing that I wanted to make sure that, that, that I informed you and your listeners about is it all has to do with how well your records are kept. If you're going to a major uh, county like Mecklenburg County in North Carolina, that's where Charlotte is. Charlotte's a major city that's been established for a long time. So they have lots of records and they keep those records very well. They have, uh, you know, computer systems and things like that. You know, you have other counties like Loving County, Texas. That is the least populated county in the United States. There are 12 people that live in Loving County. Their records, they, they, have, they have a lot of oil and gas activity out there and their records are done very well. But until they had the recent oil and gas boom of, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, before that, their records weren't as well kept as, as they could have been. And they didn't have as much funding from the state to keep those records that way. So it all depends on uh, where you are and how dedicated your, your civil service people are to keeping these records complete. And, and I would like to say, despite the fact that Loving County is a very small county, they have a they have a great record system and, and and it is done very well. But you know, not all counties are created equal mm. in the United States for sure. Is it more or less left up to the county and their administration staff to be maintaining the records? Yes, yes, it is, and you can definitely tell sometimes when when certain groups are, are a little more more lax than others. So, you know, if you've got um, a, a group of county officials, because these are uh, most of the time elected officials that are dedicated to, you know, keeping good records and keeping revenue coming into the county, they, they will stay on top of the technologies that are available and, and, and you'll get some really good records. But I, I, I was going to say this toward the end, but... You know, what I do see a lot is a ton of counties are going online and they're keeping their records in a much better way so that you're able to get through this information a, a little mm. bit easier. Yeah. Sounds like there's like, there's a, a pain there that maybe there's an opportunity to solve with some, some innovation. Yeah. Bring some consistency to the different counties through some tools that maybe could be introduced. Okay. So it's, it's, it's complex. Let's talk about the risks associated with not getting it right. So, and you can, and you, feel free to go wherever you want with this. Like, cause I think there's different, you know, we can talk about title as it relates to oil and gas and the risk of not getting it right for an oil and gas development. We can also talk about the risk of not getting it right, uh, or not even looking at it, um, for, for a renewable project. And maybe you can talk about both of those. Yeah, I, I certainly can. Um, I, I can tell you that it affects both of those industries in the exact same way: time and money. Okay, if you don't get your <laughs> if you don't get your title right, it's going to cost you more time. 
and it's going to cost you more money. And that's something that neither neither industry wants. Okay, we we want our projects built quickly and efficiently, and we want them built as uh, economically as possible. And if you mess up your title or you assume your title's correct and it's not, all it's going to do is extend all of your timelines, and it's going to cost you a whole lot more money. And nobody wants that. Uh, to get a little bit more in the weeds, uh, rather than just saying, hey, it's going to cost you a lot more money and a lot more time, I can give you some some ex- uh, some very specific examples. You know, there there's a million times that I've worked projects like these where, you know, you talk to somebody on the, uh, you know, in the community that's a landowner and they say, yes, you, I do own that property or my family owns that property, but I speak for everyone. Okay, and you do your negotiations mm-hmm. with this person, and and you think, okay, everything's fine, we're we're good to go, and then you lease some some additional people in the area, and you, and you're going to go to market with your project or 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 you know spud your well, and you find out because you had to order title at the end of the day that hey, this guy that does own part of the family farm he's one of four signatories and you've got to get three more people to sign off on this and you haven't talked to any of them well now you're in the fourth quarter of your project you've been dealing with this one person and now you got to bring in these other three folks and a whole lot of things can happen they can feel offended because you cut them out of the conversation to the last minute did you cut them out no you were told by this person that they made all the decisions well, you believe the wrong person. And it's really hard to navigate that, you know, when somebody goes, well, I make the decisions for my entire family. I believe you, but can I please speak to someone else that can verify this, please? But if <laughs> if you're able to do your title beforehand and understand these are the people that own the property, there's no surprises. If you, if you call somebody and say, hey, you own this property, and they go, yeah, I do, but my brother deals with everything. Okay, then I know to talk to your brother. But if I go on the assumption that this person talks for everybody and we're in the fourth quarter trying to build this project and then three people come out of the woodwork and they're real upset, that's going to cost a lot of time and a lot of money. And if you don't get the project built, how much did you waste? Because you didn't want to run the title. You didn't want to spend the little bit now so that you saved a whole lot later. That's 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 my big mantra for anybody dealing with title is it's probably going to take longer than you think it's going to, but spend the money now so you don't have to waste the money later. Yeah. So when people are say not doing the the due diligence up front on the title, what are they going off of? How are they determining the ownership? I mean, there's there's a lot of real easy ways for you to determine ownership. Um, you know, you can, a lot of these counties are online through their, their appraisal district. Uh, that's the, the CAD office county appraisal district. I've also heard it called the PVA, uh, property value administration. And basically you can go on a lot of these sites, um, through the county and type in the parcel number or the owner, and it'll tell you who owns the property. But sometimes you've got split ownership or sometimes it says, uh, Jack Johnson TRU. And what that means is Jack Johnson trustee of the Jack Johnson trust. And there's seven people that have to sign off on that trust. But if you just looked at the property card and saw Jack Johnson and you looked him up, Hey, yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to get your foot in the door and to start talking to people, but it's not a good way to run your title. 
sometimes, and, and you know, the, the internet can be wrong and the internet has been wrong before. So if you're going on these sites and you're looking at the ownership and you're going off of that as your title, how do you know that they didn't sell that property three weeks ago? Do, do, are you sure that that website's up to date? So yes, you can go online and, and you can find your title and your ownership easily, but it's, you also need to take that extra step to verify, go and run your title and make sure that, that, that ownership's correct. Make sure there's, there hasn't been a sale in the last three weeks. Make sure the people that are the credited owner aren't deceased. I've seen credited owners in the 2000s and their wills are dated in the 70s because the family just never updated anything. They left it in the estate and they just kept paying the taxes. But there's been three generations of heirs that now own that property. But if you look at the, the, the tax card, it's just in this person's estate. So to do it properly, is it a matter of going back to patent and up to current date? Is that is that the only way to really properly vet it? Or is there some other tricks that can be can be used? There definitely are some tricks. Um, the, and, and the only way for you to be certain, I feel, about mineral title is to go back to patent or very, very close to patent. You know, sometimes when you get into the 1800s, these are handwritten documents and they're hard to, hard to track. But if you can have clear mineral title from, you know, 1899 forward, most of the time, your title insurance companies, they're, they're, they're pretty okay with that. Um, if you don't have an issue with minerals, you don't necessarily need to go all the way back to patent. Most of the time, if you can go back 50 to 100 years, that's good enough for a lot of the title insurance companies, especially in my industry. Um, now for oil and gas, I'm, I'm not sure what they're, they're asking for now, but I can tell you that in the renewable industry, it's all about getting with a title insurance provider, figuring out what their re requirements are and meeting those requirements. Right. So that's an interesting nuance about the United States versus Canada, uh, where I cut my teeth in the industry. For example, in, in parts of Canada, the title is guaranteed by the um, governing authority or the provincial government. So that's a big benefit to, uh, to any operator in, in those regions. In the United States, is, it's a lot different. And you just mentioned one of those differences uh, with title insurance. So how much does the level of due diligence, how much of, let's say, say this, how much of the level, how much, how much of the due diligence is driven by getting the title insurance company to insure the project versus just making sure you've got it right for the sake of knowing you're dealing with the right owner? For my company and for what we do, it's 100% about what the title insurance folks want. Um, it's important to us to make sure that we're talking to the right people. So we do what we need to do to, to, to ensure that, which is very light you know, title work to ensure, hey, hey, we're pretty confident that these are the right people. We talk to those people. We ensure that the, the you know, they're telling us the truth. We, 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 we check those and then we, we move on from there. But 
if the title insurance company isn't comfortable with what we have, it's not going anywhere. So we absolutely need to be on the same page with our title insurance provider as quickly as possible. It's my job to know exactly what they're going to want from us. And it's my job to make sure that that happens. Uh, The worst thing for me is an oh, by the way. And that's oh, by the way, I know you said that you needed this, but we don't have it. And, and those don't need to happen. I need to know as soon as I, I start a conversation with you about being my title insurance provider, I need to know what you need from me and I need to be able to get that for, for you. And, and, and there doesn't need to be any questions or any changes. So for us, it's fairly important that we start talking to the right people on the outset, but it's, it's, it's 100% uh, uh, a non-starter if we cannot get the title insurance. So we just, we yeah. need to know that we can get that title insurance and what we need to do to get it. And uh, uh, most of most of the title insurance providers are very, very uh, forward with what they're going to need. Sounds to me like the need for the insurance becomes a, a good start to vetting whether or not your approach is adequate, which is which is a good litmus test, I think. For, for any developer. Have you, so go a little deeper here with um, respect to, let's just call it title related project risk. And we're, we're, we're talking about this now. Let's, let's go down the path of a renewable energy project. So I would think that there might be some folks that would um, not necessarily think of mineral title when we're talking about a renewable energy project that's going to occupy the surface of the land. Tell us a little bit about that, the nuances around mineral title, surface development for a renewable project that really has no interest in the minerals per se. It's a, it's a great question, and it's, 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 it's one that's really helped me in my professional career, to be honest with you. Without that question, I, I definitely wouldn't be sitting here. Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy, um, really, to, th- to think about it. But, I mean, let's, let's talk about a renewable solar project. If you, if you think about a solar project, a utility-scale solar project, it's a bunch of solar panels in a contiguous area that, that cover just the surface, right? And if we're not talking about oil and gas, we're talking about below plow depth to the center of the earth. That's minerals. So solar and minerals are completely disconnected from one another and they shouldn't affect each other at all, right? No, that's not how it works at all. Uh, so what, what you've got to think about is with a solar project, what I said, it's a ton of panels on contiguous property. So you're covering a specific surface area of property. So if there's oil and gas there and you want to build a solar project, how on earth are you going to put in an oil and gas or, you know, a a well, if you've got all of these panels everywhere and, and, and that's the problem. And the, and the other problem is who, who gets the rights? Is it the mineral owners? Is it the surface owners? Can they be different? And the answer is yes. So in the United States, 
the mineral estate is the dominant estate. So that means that if you own the minerals under surface and you want to get your minerals, you have every right to get those. If you just own the surface and somebody else owns minerals and that somebody else comes to you and says, I want to get my minerals, you have to say, okay. Now, there are some limitations. You know, if you've got a barn, they can't just knock your barn over because they want to put the drilling rig right there. You know, they have to give you, you, they'll, they'll have to pay you some damages and things like that. But at the end of the day, the mineral owner is the dominant owner of a piece of property. So if you are leasing for solar in Texas, and you've got the surface owners all signed up, but you don't have any of the minerals, you're not going to get title insurance because there's not a title insurance provider on the planet that's going to insure a project where you don't have any of the minerals waived. Because if you don't have Mm -hmm. any minerals signed up, what you're saying is there's no protection for your project if somebody 10 years from now discovers some oil and decides to that, that you're... On, on their minerals, okay? And that's a, that is a problem with especially solar development, okay? A lot of the developments that I do are at least 30 years, if not 60 years. A lot of them are 30 plus however much of an extension. They're discovering oil and gas in new places all the time. You know, uh, when I was young, coming right out of college, the big hot thing was the Bar- Barnett Shell right there in Arlington. My grandmother got approached on her little condominium house. You know, so they're finding oil everywhere. So the question is, you know, is there oil there now? No. Will they find oil there in 60 years? Maybe. So you've got to figure out or you've got to get someone that's going to be willing to give you title insurance so that you can develop the project. Now, in Texas, they've done several things to try to mitigate the issue of of the minerals and and they, they've done a really good job with it, but you have to do your mineral research before you you dive into things, um, especially if you're not from the area. Uh, I've, I've mentioned Texas a lot because that's where I grew up. Um, that's where I did a lot of my work. But, you know, when I first started in the industry, I got a lot of business from out-of-state developers that were coming into Texas trying to develop a project, and they what they did was they found where we had oil and gas wells and they went where there weren't any and they said, okay, there's no minerals here. We're good here. We can develop a project. And it's like, well, just because there's no wells doesn't mean there's no minerals. And it doesn't mean that those minerals haven't been subdivided by other people. You need to do your research. And we had tons of people that came to us in the fourth quarter going, we didn't get any minerals and we need your help. And we were able to help some and we were not able to help some other ones. But I can tell you the ones that we were able to help, they were less than thrilled with the cost because it was a lot of money and it took a lot of time to get it fixed. Yeah. Yeah. So so when you get into a situation like um, like that, I want to talk about two scenarios here. Doing it up front, let's call that the right way doing it after the fact in the fourth quarter let's call that the uh, not not so right the you're doing it up front you're say you've got a solar project you're you're acquiring land for um and you find that there there are 
active interests in the mineral title, what what then? What steps do you take? Is it avoidance? Just avoid that area or try to, you know, get consent to be to be over top? I never tell I, I never run away from a fight. Um, so I, I wouldn't just yell avoid, 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 unless it's just okay. the worst scenario possible. But it is and it was my job to to let these developers know what they were getting into. So while I wouldn't tell them avoid, 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 I would say it's going to be tricky and here's why. Um, now you had asked about minerals and, and active interests. So I would like to explain one, one thing that I, I don't think I've, I've brought up is you have your mineral interests, which we've discussed, but you've also got your working interest or your production. So mineral owners own the minerals under a piece of property. Once that is extracted, it's, it's referred to as producing minerals. Now, a lot of people that own minerals don't have the money to extract the minerals themselves. So what they do is they lease their mineral rights to oil and gas companies. And when the oil and gas company strikes the, 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 the product, the crude, then they get a percentage of the royalty that the mineral owner does. And then the, the operator gets the rest of the money. So if you have mineral ownership, but no production, then all you need to do is talk to the mineral owners and get them to sign a waiver that states, hey, we're not interested in developing our minerals under this specific area for the next 60 years. They can build their solar project. They can put up their wind turbines, what have you. But if there is production, you need to work out a deal with the people who own the production but you also need to work out a deal with the people that own the minerals because there's a possibility that somebody has leased the minerals for the next five years and they haven't started producing them yet. So if you go to those people and you get a waiver from them, yeah, you're covered for those five years, but you're not covered for if the lease gets expired and they decide to lease for somebody else. And you're also not covered for if they find production. So you have to you have to know all the, all the people you're getting into bed with, I guess. So you need to know mm -hmm. who, who the mineral owners are. Are they willing to sign a waiver? Is there production there? Because if the mineral owners sign a waiver and they haven't leased their property, you're good to go. But if the mineral owners sign a waiver, but they signed a lease 20 years ago that's still active, you got to go to that person that that act that's you know operating that lease and get them to sign off. So you need to know what you're getting into before you mm -hmm. you go crazy. And that's the 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 real pitfall with doing it the wrong way. It's what if you've spent millions of dollars getting people signed up and getting people excited for this project and then you find out, "Oh, I need to do mineral research or I need to pay these producers." Do you have the money? Have you already spent it on your leases? What's going to happen here? Um, now, if if there was a right way to do it, would be, hey, run full mineral and full title on everything that you're going to do for the first thing. But guess what? Plans change. Site plans change. Things change. People get interested. People get disinterested. There's nothing more irritating than running a title on a thousand acres and then have the guy back out. 
three weeks later. And now, hey, I spent all this money on this title that I don't need. Right. So for for me, what we what we try to encourage folks to do is be smart and be diligent. So there are things that you can do to check out the area. You in Texas, you can go on the Railroad Commission website. They're the regulatory agency for for oil and gas in Texas, and you can do a well search by county and figure out where your wells are. If there's wells, there's probably mineral severances. Um, but I, again, there's sometimes where there's no wells, but there's mineral activity. You can also go to those counties and you can look up those your owner's names. And if they own any piece of the minerals, they would have signed a lease in the last 15 or 20 years. And you can go and see, hey, did they sign a lease? When they signed a lease, who else signed a lease? If 15 people signed a lease under that same piece of property in 2008, chances are you've got at least 15 mineral owners that you're going to have to deal with. But it's been 2008. That's 14 years ago. Oh, no, I'm sure that more people are involved now. So there are things that you can do to not run full title to let yourself know, is there an oil and gas problem here? Are there big title issues? But it is very important that if you're going into an area to know what you're getting into, do a little bit yeah. of research, do a, spend a little bit of money so you don't waste a lot. Right. So do you find yourself working in parallel with the development team? Because it seems to me that there's got to be a collective effort here. So you've got, you know, to your point earlier, you don't want to run a bunch of title, do a bunch of work to find out that, oh, actually, we the, the landowner is not on board or, you know, we don't like that area as much as we thought. We're going to move over here. So it seems to me you've got to kind of have this dual effort happening where you're vetting the interest of the surface owner at the same time that you're doing some due diligence on the title to know, you know, can you check both boxes? So how do you, how do you, how does that work within your organization? Are, are, or are you, um, it's like who's guiding the acquisition process? Is it title? We know that the, it starts with, I'm interested in this area for these various reasons, but then from there, is it the title aspect or is it the landowner interest or acceptance aspect? Um, the, the landowner interest and acceptance aspect definitely drives title for us. So if there's no interest from a landowner, there's no reason for us to run the title. Uh, I, I make the, the joke sometimes like our, our leases are 40 plus years. There are, marriages that don't last that long. So we don't want to right. get into a relationship with anybody that doesn't want us to be there. You know, I mean, it's, it, it is, it's a long-term relationship. So we need to know that, that our landowners are, are committed to it so that we can, we can, we can build these, these projects. So, you know, I hats off to our, our, our developers and our agents in the field because they're the ones that have the real tough job. I sit in my office and I crush dreams. And I'm sorry for that, but that 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 is that is part of my job. So, you know, I have I have agents, they 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 get out there and they they bust their haunts, man. They they're they're going to county meetings, they're meeting people, they're getting them really interested in the projects and and then you know, the, the, 
the landowners sometimes, and God bless the honest landowner, because the more honest you are with us at the beginning, the better everything's going to be. Sometimes they don't want to tell you they don't own, own all the minerals because they don't want you to walk away from the deal. And it's like, oh, we wouldn't have walked away, but if you would have told us this, we could have jumped on the minerals a lot sooner. But, you know, it's it's just, it's, it's paramount that the landowner wants us there and that we are able to understand what their issues are. And I, I work in the background to, to highlight title issues. And then I go to my agents who have done nothing, but, you know, been honest with these people and try to get them excited. And they go, Hey, our title guy looked into this and this seems to be a problem. And this seems to be a problem. And this seems to be a problem. Can you shed some light on it? And sometimes they, you know, they'll let us know. And other times they go, we don't know what you're talking about. And then I I need to go in there and do a little bit more due diligence. But, you know, so to answer your question, yeah, uh, the title is important. But the most important thing is is the landowner being excited and being interested in, in, in doing or entering into the project. We'll do the, the hard work on the other side. Yeah. Did I answer your question? I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely. I, we could just go on. I think there's, there's lots of layers to this. Um, no pun intended layers, <laughs> subsurface surface. The, uh, I want to come back to the insurance piece. Um, so okay. our listeners get what we're talking about. So you, if, for a renewable energy project, you talk about title insurance. What, mm-hmm. um, what is the insurance covering you for? Okay. So what the title insurance does is it gives us some security when we go into constructing these projects. Okay. These solar projects are incredibly expensive to get off the ground, but they're very beneficial to the the community uh, as a whole. But I mean, without title insurance, there's just way too much in the air. There's way too much liability for us. Um, once we, when, when we have a title policy and we get the title insurance, then that's, that's guaranteed insurance from a, from a reputable provider that says this can be built. This can produce the revenue that, that has been stated and it, and it's, it's going to go just fine. We're not going to run into any problems at all. Go, go forth. So, you Mm -hmm. know, Nothing, to my knowledge, in the utility scale solar industry gets built without title insurance. It's yeah. it's a must-have. So you know you you get your title commitments uh, based on the, their research, and they provide the the non-disturbance and the mineral coverage for the for the title insurance, and that allows us to go onto the property to uh, prepare the property for the project to install all of the equipment that we will need and to, you know, flip the switch on a, on a generation facility and to have that running and, and have it maintained for the, for its life and then decommission. Give me an idea. What uh, kind of numbers we're talking about that are at risk of developing a, a, a solar project, just um, pick a size ballpark, number what are we what are we talking about here i i couldn't even begin to tell you i know that it's astronomical 
uh, more money yeah. than, than, than I care to talk about, uh, more money than I will probably ever see in my lifetime. Um, it's, it's a ton of money and it's a lot of yeah. work. I mean, it takes time to develop these projects. Um, it takes time to run all these studies. It takes time to get into the queue. It takes time to build. I mean, these, these projects, you know, a hundred megawatt project, depending upon topography that could take two years to build, maybe more. And that's, you know, two years of construction. That that's a lot of good local jobs for people. You know, there's, there's lots that go, that goes into this, but I mean, the, the amount of money that you can lose by not getting your title insurance, it, it, immeasurable. It's, it's a ridiculous yeah. amount of money and you'll have a lot of explaining to do yeah. to, to your yeah. higher ups. Yeah. Shareholders, etc. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's pivot a little bit here. I, okay. I want to hear from you on two things before we go. Uh, one is advice and the other would just be what the future looks like. So starting with advice, what advice would you offer to a, to a project developer um, when it comes to doing title? I think you've, you've probably alluded to it pretty heavily here throughout our conversation, but yeah. you could pick a couple of things. What, what are they? I'm, I'm, I've been pretty heavy handed about this, but do it and do it quickly. The, the number one issue that I ran into, especially when I was doing third-party support for many developers, was, look, we know we should have done this X amount of months ago, and we didn't. Or we didn't really think this would be a problem at the time. Uh, there were a lot of times where I sat in planning meetings and I asked, have you considered any issues with minerals? And they go, we'll burn that bridge when we cross it. And I just, hmm. my head would sink. So my advice to anyone developing a project, especially in a mineral, uh, in a mineral heavy area is don't be scared of it, but be prepared. Okay. Know what you're getting yourself into. Speak to someone who has done this before. Using small shops is, is, a, is a great thing, but make sure that if, if you're going to go into a realm that you're not so confident about you find someone that has done this before find one of the bigger title insurance providers that might have done something like this and explain to them what you're trying to do before you get into it because this may be a little yeah. bit more more than you than you're willing to take on but understand and 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 plan you know be prepared the old boy scout motto just just be there and and and, and know what you can possibly get into and and plan accordingly never assume it's going to be easy and wait till the last minute because the second you make that assumption is the second your project's dead you know you got me thinking earlier when we we're just talking about the differences from county to county and being left up to each each county administrator to figure out their process and how to manage all these things not to lead your answer but just got me thinking about what does the future hold for title in the United States? What do you think? What might change? Well, do you think it's going to look the same 10 years from now as it does today? No, I do not. And I, I can tell you why. Um, I have been in the title business for many years now, um, 15 plus, and it's changed 
in, in, in that amount of time. And it's because of technology. Um, technology is driving everything these days. You know, when I started in oil and gas, I learned from a guy that got out in the in the 80s. And he told me, you know, when he did his reports, he used to, you know, write them out by hand and put them in a typewriter and then mail them off to be reviewed. And then they would get it back however many weeks later and then he would fix it. Now it's everything's done on Excel or, or some sort of database. You can submit it to a reviewer the same day and then they can come back with, with your corrections um, and, 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 and you can run your title that way. There are many more websites now um, than when I started 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that offer inf information online. You know, whether it's, it's landrecords.com or Texas File, there's a million of these, of these sites that offer deeds online where if you search things by name, it just pops up everything that that name is under. It makes running title much easier. You know, when I first started this whole whole deal, there were a few counties that were online, but most of them you had to drive out there, you had to get a hotel, and you had to get in those books, those in in those indices that were not alphabetized and, and really hard to get through. But now with scanners and and just data centers and things like that, a lot of these counties are online, so you're able to run a lot more title, a lot quicker and a lot cheaper. You know, it it's unbelievable how quickly your bill can can go up when you're paying a guy $50 a day to eat food and $100 a day for their hotel room and 54 cents or 58 cents and a half, 58 and a half cents a mile. All those things they all add up. But if you're able to do these things remotely, you save a whole lot of money. And I see a whole lot of title work going more and more remote uh, mm -hmm. at the risk of putting the entire title industry out of the job. Uh, I don't really understand why there isn't a massive database with a lot of this information, because, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of times where I had to go back in, you know, Reeves County, Texas, and, and run mineral ownership back to the the 30s well that never that didn't change i don't understand why people aren't tracking this kind of stuff and maybe having mm -hmm. some sort of massive uh some sort of massive database now, i know you know you can go to t different title plans and things like that and get some of this information but i think there's definitely some some information to be stored online that's going to make title work a lot easier to do for for generations to come yeah. so yeah um, if you're looking to get into title or running title in different places, Google is your friend. Get up there and, and see what's available online before you start paying people to drive out there and get in hotel rooms. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, Paul, this has been great. Just perfect. And uh, thank you. I think um, you've unpacked a lot of, a lot of things for our listeners around title. Um, my podcast has been so focused on the access piece that I uh, wanted to get some insights from some of the things that go on behind the scenes. So thanks for coming on and, and sharing. Really happy to do it. I'm happy to do it again if you ever need me. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks for coming on. Thank you. You have a great day.